Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. There's a saying that Monty Python has, and that is in their movie, and now for something completely different. And we've had a lot going on in this country politically. We've had a lot of guests on our show talking about a lot of serious issues. And so this time I wanted to do something maybe to learn and enlighten everybody about something that I am really not 100% sure I understand what it is, and that is Bitcoin. Now, I may be late to the game because obviously people have been talking about this and investing in this, but I really don't understand what it is. And I think once I saw it being sold at a gas station, I thought, all right, I need to know more about this. So Osman Kilic, who is a finance professor at Quinnipiac University, is here to talk about what Bitcoin is, what we should know about it, and should we invest in it? Thank you for joining us on Real Talk. So in a, let's let's take it Bitcoin 101. Obviously, people who are listening are probably a little more sophisticated. Uh, but And I know it's a currency, but explain to us what exactly is Bitcoin? Well, is it not only the Bitcoins. Bitcoin is the first one. So there are so many others, thousands of thousands of them. We, they, we call it a cryptocurrencies. So it comes from the crypto, cryptographic, you know, because of the security, in a sense, non-hackable. The dream is, of course, that can we create a, a currency, which is outside those fiat currencies, dollars and euros and so on, which is decentralized. So you don't have to worry about the banks dealing with, uh, you know, the transaction. You don't have to worry about the Federal Reserve or U.S. Treasuries or the, you know, the German Treasuries, you name it. But isn't the Federal Reserve a good thing in a sense? Doesn't that protect you uh, from losing your money? I mean, that's how we are conditioned to think, right? Oh, well, that's the nature of the game, right? For thousands of years, you always have a centralized entity is just basically, you know, the watching you and then doing all those magic during the tough times. But sometimes they are overdoing it. But the, the, the of course, the, the idea is here. Can we create something in the digital world and will be decentralized and consensus based? You know, all those, you know, the uh, the miners, we call it that they basically mine the cryptos is like a mining gold, you know, the mining silver. But in a, you know, the digital world, in the computer based solving the algorithmic questions, can we create those currencies which has a limited supply? This is the case for Bitcoin. The way so, that I understand it also is that it's hard to trace. I mean, we hear all the time that when companies are being held ransom, right? And so someone demands Bitcoin or currency in that crypto form uh, so that it's not traced back to a bank. And so you can't find the person responsible who is holding someone hostage, if you will, or a company financially hostage, if you will. Well, that's the bad side of it. Of course, just because what happened is here, you do have your username, which is the public account. And then you have, you know, public key. That's what we call it. And then you have your password, right? That's a private key. Everybody, which is just the numbers. is just basically huge numbers, computer generated. And we, we call it a hash that they go through. And public key is seen by everybody. So you can see where the money is moving. But the only person that can access to that money is the someone who has the private key. So you are the only one if you have an account. We call it the wallet. So if you purchase cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or whatever, you purchase it and you get a 
a private key. So only you can unlock it. Yes, you, you can basically you set up when you set up your account, you will have a public key, which is your username and then the private key, which is your password. And is private it dollar for dollar? People. Is it dollar for dollar? Is it no, similar no, it's to the values? But what happened is here values. That's a good question, actually. What is the value of let's focus on the Bitcoin because everybody just goes through it, even though there are so many others. How do we determine the value, right? And it's just, of course, with the fiat currencies, there are so many, uh, you know, the dynamics that influences the price of the dollar against the other currencies. Well, how about the Bitcoins? Because with the Bitcoin, you're only looking at the dollar and then there's some other, mainly is the dollar. Now, the issue becomes, how can I value the Bitcoin? So the, uh, that's an argument. It's impossible. The only way they look at it, supply and demand, they said, look, supply is limited. The maximum number of Bitcoin that we can have is 21 million. We, we are about 20 million right now. If the supply is limited, if the demand goes up, price is going to go up. If the demand who sells up, Bitcoin? Yes. Who who is selling it? Where do they get it? How is it sold? So init- initially, of course, goes back to the all the way to 2007, 2008. And Satoshi, when he set up this the so-called white paper, just basically dreaming a decentralized finance. Don't forget, that's a magic word. That's a part of the decentralized finance. We call the, everything that we do, all those banking, everything that in our lifetime, whatever it is for you know the centuries, is called traditional finance. Everything you do in traditional finance, you can do the similar thing in the decentralized finance in the digital world. But IDSC, don't forget, is decentralized. So there is no bank in the middle argument. So there is where is the role of the Federal Reserve? There is none. And but the happiness here, you need to understand control. Do you think that government will give their controls to the you know the computer geeks or the venture capitalists? They will not. How do the people selling Bitcoin make their money? Do they charge more? Is there commission? I mean, how it's do they not, make money? It's, it's not like think about this way: is the you buying a stock, right? IBM. IBM stock, let's say trading right now today, you're buying at $100. So somebody is selling at $100, you buy it. And then a week later, the price goes to 110. It goes up by 10%. So you sell it to the 110, you made 10%. Same thing. You buy the Bitcoin today, 23,900. And then next week, suddenly it's a speculative asset, extremely risky. It goes back up to the 30,000. Difference is yours. You, we open up an account in an exchange. So it creates a wallet. You just create the wallet, all those, you know, the public key and then the private key. You deposit your fiat money so you can buy cryptocurrency, in this case, Bitcoin. And if you if you write, if the price goes up, if you want to sell it, you can sell it. If for some of the people, they, they dream that it's going to go to the millions, so they hold it. It's just, remember, it's just a computer-generated number. It's not the, you know, the dollar bill that you hold it. It's just the... It's in the digital world, it's just the numbers. So would most people buy it as an investment? You would buy Bitcoin or cryptocurrency and you would keep accumulating it and keep it uh, in the hopes like just like, you know, you're buying stock or maybe gold or whatever, that eventually in five, 10 years from now, it's going to be worth a lot more. Is that why people Ex- buy it primarily? Ex- exactly. That's the primary okay. reason. And then, of course, the dream is, in one day, it will be used as a currency. The usage of as a currency is very limited in global basis. So most of the time is, is investment. Another part of it is here basically money laundering. 
do you really believe in, you know, in centuries to come that we're all going to be paying for things with cryptocurrency? I, I, you know, just whatever you call it, but in the next, uh, I will be surprised in the next five to 10 years, we're just moving into that direction in the completed digital. We'll have a digital dollar. We'll have a digital euro or whatever it is. We're moving in that direction. And, but this crypto, especially Bitcoin, Ethereum, one of those big ones, and still be in the marketplace as a speculative asset. Don't forget, as not a currency, as a speculative asset, like stocks. You know, okay. just so let me see if I, I, I let me see if I can wow myself. So, how volatile is this speculative asset? Oh, it's extremely. Look, it's just the it's still in the infancy. The baby is born. You know, still in the crawling stages, not even walking yet. So forget about talking. Still needs the mama's help. Let me put it this way. <laughs> so that leads me to my next question. So yes, I saw uh, uh, bitcoins being sold at a gas station, but I've also seen advertisements where people uh, are encouraging you to uh, invest in cryptocurrency for your 401k, uh, your retirement. How secure is that or how sensible is that? Uh, it depends on the individual. If there is a, think about your own kids, college grad, my own kids, college grad, and they still have for their retirement at least 25, 30 years ahead of them, maybe longer. So if there is a way for them putting a tiny portion of their portfolio, even less than a 1% in Bitcoin or Ethereum, it may make sense. But it's like for, anything else, you wouldn't like, want your large your portfolio to be filled a majority with one type of investment. At, at, at my age, and you know, just uh, you know, I have probably 10 15 years left for in me for the retirement, whatever it is, is just it doesn't make sense right now. It's just pure trading, wow. buying and selling, and it's just. Uh, it's gonna, you know, just it's it, it will go up. It's but it may come down too. You know, it may go up to hundred thousand. It may come down to ten thousand. So it sounds like something that a younger person or someone in their twenty, you know, twenties, thirties, maybe even forties would consider. You buy a little bit, you let it sit there, and do you not have to do anything with it? Do you have to trade it, or you just let it sit there, similar to, I guess, gold? Oh, it's, but, but, you know, I am, I am, you know, like we call it in the business is, is when, when it rallies a lot, it's up by 300%, 500%, it's up by 1,000%, which is very common in the crypto space. Maybe you'd sell them. You just sell portion of it. Whatever it is, yeah. you can easily do it. You don't, you know, just... A, you don't know if something goes up 100%, 200%, 300%. Look, Ethereum went up by more than 100% in relatively in, I mean, a month. It's just, look, in any large term, that's a huge number. You're talking about th- more than 1,000%. So it just, come on, you need to get, get rid of some of them, and but still hold some type of portion. Right, but when but it, it starts yeah. to go up, you, you sell it, and then exactly. you make a little bit more money, and you just kind of manage it and watch it. Excited, but the, you know the average people on the street probably watching you know the uh, your show is is difficult for them to basically involve this type of at the level. But the young kids, right. young college kids, and so on, graduated fresh in the business world, they they do have you know they they can find it because it's the the market is twenty four seven. 
So before they go to the bed in the evening, they can just basically, oh, it went up, let me sell it. So they don't have to wait for their advisor or the stock market. you You don't have to. But again, it depends on the individual riskiness and then the age group, and it has to be minuscule. And a little bit of money to invest, and I guess you can put more into it as you you go on. But it's not something uh, uh, that someone older uh, would want to to do, or they just maybe have a few extra dollars and they want to just see where it goes. Maybe yeah. leave it to their kids. <laughs> you know, the way that I look at it, it's fine. You, you, that's a good point, actually. What you can do, and you just let me let me get a you know like the twenty almost twenty four thousand. Let me buy a one bitcoin, less than twenty five k. So put into the cold storage your flash drive, so it's not hackable. If the exchange for some some reason being hacked, you still have it, and then you may decide, well, I'm going to give it to the, my kids. Okay, now let me I'll ask you it, this: up to you, because you opened up this can of worms, say non-hackable. Isn't everything hackable? That's what I said. You're going to hold it on the your flash drive. We call it a cold storage. Oh. So you don't keep it on the hot, which is oh. on the, you know, the internet environment. That's why. Best majority of the people that holding the Bitcoin, they are long-term holders. And the vast majority is holding it in their cold storage because their expectation, sooner or later, this will become a currency and being utilized as a currency like dollar in the global scale, suddenly the value of that, you know, the Bitcoin is going to go to millions and millions. Right. So I just had an interesting thought. So I thought... You know, we're the banks, and, and I want to talk about that because I'm sure they're not happy about this, right? Because they're kind of being left out of the process. But ultimately, if you have a flash drive or something, uh, you know, with uh, that Bitcoin information on, you might put it in a safe deposit box at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Well, believe me, the banks are, they keep closing their, you know, the uh, brick and mortar stores. Uh, they are just downsizing. I'm the Wells Fargo is one of them. It's just, they keep cutting it down. And, and then other banks probably are doing it. Some of them are opening those type of things. So the, the business, you know, the, the market is segmented. For every single type, there is a business needs. So the banks are not going to go away. They will be here. There's plenty of room for everyone. I know. And then what role they are going to play, you know, those type of things that you're looking at. It. And just I think it's, uh, it's at this point of time, just going through, people need to understand we're going to move to the digital currencies. But we won't be using it as a currency. This cryptos, it has to be, you know, the Federal Reserve is just basically, they are working on it. European central banks are working on it. Sooner or later, probably sooner, they will introduce their own digital currencies. And when it, when they do, chances are pretty likely those the Bitcoins and then other cryptos is going to come down. But there is still a role for them to play. Some of right. them. And if you look Bit- at Bitcoin it. Bitcoin is one of them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, young people don't go to the bank anyway. Banks are closing, yeah. right? Uh, you know, they do, there's no there's no need for that. Uh, so it, it sounds like this is a way for young people to kind of um, learn how to invest, right? And, and I mean, like anything else, there, there are risks involved and you have to know them, whatever you buy. I'm excited that you go through. But don't forget, I know that this the conversation is, solely focus on the Bitcoin, there is a, a lot bigger ecosystem. We call it a decentralized finance. So everything, that's what I said, whatever we do in traditional finance, everything is moving into the digital world. Think about that. I mean, you go through, you're buying a house, right? All those mortgage process, signing the everything, pay, still, we do, still do the paper, right? It drives me crazy. And in the digital world, there is our smart contract, which is 
against contractual agreement, but programmable is programmed contract and is executable as soon as the conditions are set. So what it does, it saves so much money, is transparent, traceable in that smart contract and fast execution. You don't have to wait for a month or two to close your mortgage. Right, not really the same thing, but similar to the way we've gotten used to Venmo, for example, right? We can pay for things yes. quickly. That comes out of our bank account. So that's interesting. So if you're buying a house, you know, you're not going to have a check where you're trying to write those big numbers all in there. You're saying that it will come a time when people will be able to pay for many things digitally. Is that exactly. it's already It's already happening. It's with the smart you know, insurance contract. Think about you buying a home insurance, every single thing. Again, they put it down in the, uh, you know, the basically there's an, another crypto asset, Ethereum. It has a smart contract functional with it and all those deep finances in that space. Wow. So the insurance company can write the smart contract and basically you digitally you sign it and it will be executed right away. You don't have to worry about all those paperwork, following, tracing, every single thing. It makes life a lot more easier, efficient, uh, least costly way of doing business, you know, all those type of things for the bigger ecosystem. Bitcoin, right, sounds like you could eliminate part of it. Right, you could eliminate fees and such. Okay. It's just yes. one person to one person. You kind of eliminate the middleman, if you will. Yes, that's the whole idea. That's why it's called decentralized finance. Mm -hmm. There is no middleman. What advice do you have uh, for people? I, yeah, I hope this is informative. It has been very informative mm -hmm. to me because I've been kind of grappling with it and talking to people, not quite understanding it. And I understand it. Thank you. Much better now. Um, what advice do you have for people as, you know, they listen to this and they think, oh, you know, maybe maybe I should do that, right? Oh, regard again, it's just the I will then advise to the people in the later, you know, kind of senior type of things. Above middle age and the senior type of people, you got to be careful. If you are playing this one, you have to think about this one. This is a casino at this stage. You go to the casino, you put down the money on your pocket, you said, this is the maximum that I'm going to lose. You have to approach from that angle. You just basically go, if you are, you know, like the, again, as the later age group that you're looking at it, you go with mentality. I have $10,000. I'm investing, putting this one. I know there's a speculative asset. If I make money, this is great. If I don't, I don't have to worry about it. Ah, that's, so it yes, it, that's it, a good attitude at the casino. So yes, somebody who's getting ready to retire uh, or really needs that uh, money. Let's put then anything about 50. I'll call it this. Well, that way. leaves me out. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I <know. laughs> I'm out. But yeah, I mean, I think like anything else, you know, learning to investment. Most people have financial advisors and trying to help you navigate through that. But I think you have to understand your risk. I think everyone has to understand. Right. And if something were to happen, or you just let it sit there over time, it's like we hear now with, uh, you know, during a recession, or we have a bull or a bear market, and the, and the stocks drop, you know, the advice is never to just sell, get out and do something else. It's just you just got to wait it out. Do you think that mm -hmm. cryptocurrency or digital currency will have the same that there will be ebbs and flows? It is. Look, Bitcoin was somewhere on last November. All those cryptos picked. Bitcoin came all the way to say, you know, sixty-seven, sixty-eight thousand. It came down to seventeen thousand in the relatively short-term period. 
right now it's kind of stable, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is another leg down. It's just basically going down in prices, maybe towards the 10,000, 10,000, 12,000. Highly likely because it's a speculative asset. That's the nature of it. Now, it depends on your basic. There are so many analyses that you have to go through and you have to make a decision on that one risk and reward. If you buy it at this time, if it goes to 12,000, which you end up losing about 50% of your money, how are you going to feel? That's what I said. That right. that money is, is think about it as a casino. This is the maximum I am willing to risk all of them. And then accordingly, you can just go through because you cannot live through all those up and down cycle. That's a trader's job. That's a completely different. But what determines the the yield? So, you know, I mean, obviously, when things are different in economy, demand, supply, change our investments, what changes the value of cryptocurrency? Why is it more valuable sometimes and not others? It's based mainly, mainly is the if the stock market, especially highly speculative technology stock, NASDAQ, if it goes up, it has been going up for a month or two right now, then crypto also goes up. Ah, if that okay. tanks, then crypto, as a speculative said, it's also tanks. So it's similar to it's, that. It's just, right now we call it a correlation, which is dynamic, it's not static. It changes it, but highly correlated. Wow. Because it's a risky asset. Always think about risk is extreme. Can you handle it? If you're getting into space from the investment perspective. If you cannot, don't worry about it. Just focus on the one thing that, you know, that you're good at it. Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this has been very enlightening, and I want to thank you for joining us on, on Real Talk. I learned a lot, and I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm like that. If I have something that I'm not quite sure exactly what it is, who better than to go to leave it to the professionals? How's that? Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining us on Real Talk, and uh, hope to have you back someday. Thank you. Take care.